Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You are Locked On Wizards, your daily Washington Wizards podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Wizards podcast coming to you after a I'm going to say after yet another ugly win. I know at this time of the year you take the W any way you can get it, but it wasn't that pretty. The Wizards did ultimately survive against Knicks and move into a tie with Iowa Toronto and for third, although they still are in fourth because of the tiebreaker, yada, yada, yada. We'll talk playoffs because some things it looks like will be changing in the Eastern Conference standings that are important to the Wizards. We'll get into this game. We'll get into – uh, some other topics of the Wizards, and we're definitely going to get into the big announcement over with uh, the Wizards broadcast game that Phil Chenier will no longer, after this season, be the uh, uh, analyst for the first time in basically a thousand years. And we have the perfect guest for all of this because we are speaking with Mr. Armand Lee, who I've had I have had many heated Wizards debates with over <laughs> over the years, although none in in recent times because we're not. Uh, we haven't been in the same universe as much lately, but he definitely knows the Wizards. The Knicks are his team, and he's very familiar with Mr. Chenier and, and how all that works from his days working at CSN. So we're going to get into all that. But first off, Mr. Armand Lee, how are you? I'm well, man. Thank you for letting me on your show. And, uh, you know, that was very gracious of you. Uh, we haven't really argued, not just because we haven't been in the same area, but especially recently, you've been right pretty much on every major thing we've argued over the last year or so. So, you know, I'll take my humble pie and, uh, you know, hats off to you, Ben. Hold, hold on. I Thank God I, this recording <laughs> better be working. Hold on. What? Nah, I mean, <laughs> no, you know. Somebody says something nice about me and it's actually being recorded. Uh, well, we'll get into whatever we debated about, this, that, and the other as we go through this thing before I forget. So you can find Armand at Twitter, at Armand underscore Lee. He's also got a a podcast uh, that you guys should check out. He talks a lot about NBA, but a lot of other topics. Uh, Armand, what's the, uh, I, 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 what, how do people find it and tell everybody kind of quick, what's the, uh, what's the gist of your podcast? Yeah. The name of the podcast is the quarterly report. Um, like you said, I'm a diehard NBA fan. So it's always going to have some hoops, but also I like boxing, talk a little bit, culture, music, entertainment, all that type of stuff. If you follow me on Twitter again, I'm at Armand, A-R-M-O-N underscore Lee, L-E-E. There'll be a link to iTunes, or you could just go to iTunes and search Armand Lee or Quarterly, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E. Yes, it is a pun on my last name, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, listen to my show, man. It's different. Um, if you like the standard podcast, I guarantee you, you will not like my show. But if you like fun stuff, you know, 
we try things differently on the show so yeah check it out yeah i, I listened to the first one i definitely say recommend uh you know if, if you want to come at armand on twitter do it like john wall did against the knicks tonight come forward <laughs> the lane but unlike the knicks armand will defend you at the rim i was going to tell you that hey. the, the knicks didn't seem to care too much about that and yet the wizards were still screwing around a little too much uh but anyway, before I forget, of course, you can find the Locked on Wizards podcast on iTunes as well or Audio Boom wherever you do your podcasting and hit us up on Twitter at Locked on Wizards or at Ben Standick. Uh, all right, so Wizards win. They get it done. Uh, I don't know. 106 uh, 103. It was tied 101. Uh, 101 uh, all late. Bradley Beal hits a big three with 49.9 seconds left to put him up for good. Melo hit a couple threes with 32 seconds and change. The Wizards looked like they were almost going to have a 24-second violation with a terrible <laughs> offensive set, but they they get the ball out of bounds. They call timeout. Scott Brooks does what he does. Uh, another uh, brilliant uh, after-timeout call that gets Beal two free throws, and Carmelo misses a three at the buzzer. Uh, Wizards win. Wizards win. Um <sighs> You know, I, I don't even know what to say too much about this game, Armand, in, except for the fact that the Wizards have been – look, they have a winning record. They're, they're tied for third-best record in the East. Right. If you just look at the record, you can't really complain too much. But when you watch them every game, it is so frustrating. Other than that win at Cleveland, it's just really hard to look at too many games where from start to finish they've gotten the job done. Now I keep sort of looking at it like, okay, when the playoffs kick in, things will get going. They didn't have Marquise Morris tonight, so – Maybe right. a little bit comes in from there, not having your full team. Um, but it has sort of just been frustrating. But you watch the broad NBA. Is it overstating it to say that the Wizards are just sort of out of a sink? Or is they just do it, or are they in a position like a lot of teams who kind of know they're going to the playoffs, they're sort of waiting to get there? The Celtics are kind of like this too. They're just kind of going through the motions to some degree, especially against teams like the Knicks, who frankly suck. Right. Well, it's kind of interesting because it's it, – I don't want to say it's a tale of two different things, but I think when you watch tonight's game, it was clear the Wizards were the best team, and they knew they were the better team. And up until the fourth quarter, even when New York would hover around five or six points, at least from my perspective, I never really got the feeling that the Knicks were actually going to win. Then down the stretch, it was like, oh, man, Washington's really going to blow this game. <laughs> um, you could tell that – they were just disinterested. And when you're playing a team that you know you're far superior than and they're without either one or their second best player, being Chris Stops, the unicorn, uh, they're not, you're not going to get that full intensity. But the problem is the first half of the season, the issue with the Wizards were was that, you know, they just didn't have depth. Now it's they have all the depth in the world, but the defense is just alarming and some of this stuff you can excuse to just being, you know, they're disinterested. You saw it with Cleveland versus Boston earlier this week. Everyone was making a big fuss about Cleveland. And then when they wanted to, they just showed their dominance. And I think a lot of that is what's going on with Washington recently. But their defense, even when you get engaged in the playoff setting, that may help offense. That may help, you know, moving the ball and, and you know, digging in. But defensively, there's just so much going on where – a Nick team that, again, is without Kristaps, you know, Sasa Vujicic shouldn't be getting hot like this down the stretch. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you can excuse Melo doing what Melo does, but, you know, the Knicks missed at least seven layups or dunks tonight, too. 
if you play Milwaukee, that's not going to happen. Uh, you a few uh, a few days ago, you spoke about you know the concerns of playing a Miami team if Miami even is making the playoffs. Like the teams that Washington will play, barring Atlanta because they're falling apart, they're not going to be as bad as this Knicks team and other teams that Washington has recently struggled with. All right, so let's just go through a couple quick stats here. Bradley Beal finishes with twenty five points. Uh, four threes. He, uh, John Wall had 24 and eight. He also had four threes. By the way, John Wall, he still not a tremendous three point shooter. Four for five tonight. I believe that's now, hold on, I wrote this down. He is now seven for nine for the last two games. That is, that is what you call a small sample size. But for John Wall, we're gonna Dang have to note that because that's that that's a legitimate, uh, um, change there. Uh, Marching Gortat, a nice game, 16 points. Goes seven for seven from the field. Kelly Oubre, definitely want to ask you about him. He continues to give them energy and production. 13 points. He played. He was in the game late. Uh, Otto Porter was not. We're going to talk about that. Uh, Carmelo went for 23 for the Knicks on seven of 19 shooting. Justin Holiday, 16. Knicks had six guys in double figures. Uh, but, you, yeah, you mentioned no Porzingis. They're, other than Carmelo, they're really, I mean, it. I, mean, as a, I know as a Knicks fan, <laughs> you're probably actually happy that Derrick Rose is out just and Joe Kim Noah suspended. You can kind of get back to, okay, let's focus on the young guys and see what right. we have. But in terms of the, from the Wizards perspective, man, that's a terrible team. <laughs> the Knicks are putting out there right now. Um, Courtney Lee's good. I'll, I'll give him that. But for the most part, there's a lot of guys we don't know about. And yet they could not put this thing away. L- 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 uh, let me ask you this question. Uh, wh- why was Bradley Beal not in the game? Uh, he he was out of the lineup. The, the Wizards go up nine, 97-88, 5-15 to go. Beal's out. The Knicks go score the next seven. Brooks then puts him back in with just over three to go. Why did Brooks take him out? Did he think the game was over? Yeah. Up nine? Yeah, I mean, you don't want to count – you know, you don't want to think you got the W before you actually do. But I think, especially when you look at the first half, it's, uh, John had a long, a prolonged, you know, resting period on the bench. And I I think it was smart. Like, these guys played so many minutes, especially the first – really, first half, three quarters of the season, that you try to cheat, especially with the playoffs right around the corner. So you're up nine. Obviously, the Knicks, like you said, they're just just not a good team. They don't have a lot of talent. You figure that your team will be able to extend that lead, and then you you hope that you can get your guys a break. Uh, unfortunately for the Wizards, it didn't happen. You had to put Brad back in the game, and he came through in a big way, not only with that three you mentioned, but those huge, those two huge free throws, something that you and I had talked in the past. He's really done a really good job of improving those free throws, uh, his free throw percentage this season. Um, so, yeah, I think Brooks was just trying to be smart, um, try to you know, take the long view, uh, sneak as many minutes as he can for his two best players. Uh, it just didn't work out tonight, but – you know, you know, you can't knock him for at least trying to give Beal some rest. Well, I mean, it, and Beal played 36 minutes, so it's not like, you know, he wasn't out there a ton. It was just sort of an odd timing of the game. I guess, I want, you know, it, it, it's such a weird dynamic. And I want to ask you about Brandon Jennings because you had to endure watching him. <laughs> I mean, as a Knicks fan, I'm sure it was, you had to endure. For the Wizards, it's an upgraded point guard right. from, from what they had. Um 
But it's a, it's a weird dynamic. Brandon Jennings is essentially the third guard, but he and John Wall are, are hardly an ideal combination. So it, it becomes even more jarring. It'd be one thing if instead of Bradley Beal, it was a I don't someone, know, somebody who's like a six four shooter. Yeah. Instead, you have these you know two point guards that can't make you know typically to the last couple of games uh, aside, they're not great outside shooters who are ball dominant. Uh, so it's, it's, it becomes even more uh, jarring when 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 you see that. Um, you know, ultimately this is game what seventy nine of the year for the Wizards. So you know it is what it is. But since I haven't had your perspective on this team uh, this year, it's kind of late to get it. But I mean, <laughs> I don't know how you sum up a whole season in a couple seconds. But what 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 what's your just sense as watching this team this year? what's been kind of standing out to you about what, why the Wizards have been winning? They're up to 48 wins at this point. Yeah, man. Honestly, I mean, the obvious answer, you know, John playing at, I mean, if he doesn't make an all-NBA team this season, just shut the whole thing down. It doesn't make sense. And then Brad, um, you're starting to see a lot of momentum for him winning most improved player. I don't think he will, but he's he's as deserving as almost anyone else those two guys on the floor have been so good. Like you really can't understate that, but personally, and maybe it's just because I didn't think it, he was going to have this much of an impact. And you and I, again, we talked about this last year, Scott Brooks, like when you think about how poorly this team started and, you know, reasonable people can disagree with how important coaching is. Uh, it happens a lot. Like I'm, I'm a huge analytical guy. So I really don't try to focus on things that can't be quantified, even though in the real world, we understand that chemistry is real. But so many times coaches, they shoot themselves in the foot because they play guys on their roster just because they feel they have to. And maybe it's because of the pedigree from Oklahoma City. Maybe it's because the contract and his security. But at the beginning of the season, he wasn't going to play guys on the team, even though they had new contracts, Andrew Nicholson in particular. He he saw that they just weren't good. He wasn't going to play them. And even though he had to give his starters, he had to ride his starters so hard, he realized that literally was the only way this team could compete. And he did so. And that stretch from December to early February was so critical. And it was literally just seven, eight guys playing the entire game. And Ernie came through at the at the deadline to address the depth. Mahimi being healthy helps it helps that as well. But I gotta give Scott Brooks so much credit because he didn't he didn't play guys just because they were on the roster, just because they had multi-year contracts. He knew that he literally had six or seven guys who could compete on an NBA level, and he played them, and that's why they're at 48 wins right now. Yeah, the Andrew Nicholson one was jarring. I mean, it was like the second or third game of the year. He got a DNP CD, and I was like, uh, right. what? what's going on? He's already not playing? And the, the crazy thing with Nicholson was in the preseason, we were calling him the man of a thousand moves, and I think that's what Brooks actually called him. He was making shots, but it went quick, and you're right. Brooks saw saw that and um, stuck with it. Uh, to that point, the one thing that jumped out to me, and I, I, I said this – Somewhere, I don't know, podcast or somewhere else I was talking. Maybe in my uh, in, in my room alone where nobody's listening <laughs> to talk to myself. Uh, well, this this late surge by Kelly Oubre, who, who, was, mm. who was serving as their sixth man for most of the year, wildly inconsistent. But, look, he 
he was thrown into a situation, and I think he, for the most part, probably did about as much as you could expect. Then they get Bogdanovich, and he starts to decline. Brooks clearly goes to the veteran he's going to trust more. We kind of get that. And there were points, Brooks, who almost never really throws anybody under the bus, when we would ask about Uber, he would basically say, hey, uh, he needs to do more. We're not getting enough. I don't care about his offense. He needs to focus on defense and the hustle stuff. And then the last, you know, what is it, whatever it is now, 10 games or so, we've been getting that from Oubre. But the thing that jumps out at me, to your point about the, the, the minutes, based on how inconsistent Oubre is now and especially was then earlier in the year, Randy Whitman would never have kept Oubre's right. consistently in there. Oubre was getting 20 to 25 minutes a game in part because they didn't have too many other options, but – he could, you know, they could have done something else. And mind you, to this point also, the Wizards have had essentially three undrafted rookies on the team more or less all year. I mean, now it's Chris McCullough instead of Daniel House. If this was Whitman, my assumption is instead of Sheldon McClellan, Daniel O'Shefu, and House or McCullough, you probably have some sort of an Alan Anderson, J.J. Hickson, somebody right. like that. And that guy is getting in for Ubre when 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 Whitman couldn't take Ubre's Ubreness. Right. Yeah. But because Brooks stuck with it, I think on some level the dividends are paying off now. Ubre's gotten over some miscues, mistakes. He's got just get basic experience. He doesn't feel he's going to get shafted with with minutes too much. And then here we are. It's starting to pay off. So I think that to your point about Brooks um, playing not only guys who are playing well, but also understanding for especially young guys. Hey, you have to play them. You can't just. Yeah, things take time. I mean, like you said, Ubre is so young. It's his second season. Last year was, you know, again, we all know about Randy Whitman's uh, long established resume of dealing with young players. Um, so, yeah, it was a lot from last season. This season, there's so many shakeups with, you know, like you said, the, the transactions, the new players, players leaving, and then another set of players coming in. But you see, like, Tonight, it's there. Like, he has all the tools. Whether he puts it all together remains to be seen, but he's such an important figure to this team if the Wizards are going to take another step into, like, legit, not just conference elite, but NBA elite-level teams. Uh, I saw you tweet something, and maybe we talk about it. It also plays financially with the organization in the front office with Otto's looming contract negotiations um me kelly Oubre, i love otto you and i this is one thing that we actually did agree on i've always felt like otto was underappreciated before this season at least here primarily because where he was taken and the certain circumstances that surrounding that surrounding that draft but if we're just like looking at physical tools kelly Oubre again he may not get there but he when he is playing right it's a sight. It's special. Like that block at the rim. I mean, he had several blocks tonight. And then he seems so confident when he's making that open three. It's hard to beat the Wizards. It's just going to be hard to beat them, especially because he's one of really what three or four legit rotational players who is actually a, a strong, not just solid, but a strong above average defender. Uh, he he's really he's an exciting prospect. And again, he's only in his second season. And he's getting better, so that's a scary, that's a scary situation if you are facing the Wizards. Uh, yeah, I mean, we can get in, we can get into that now. I mean, what what I tweeted uh, during the game was 
We don't hear too many people talking about Otto Porter getting that max deal, which, by the way, we don't even know really if that was going to happen. It also This entire conversation stemmed from, from one Zach Lowe tweet, I right. think, where he said earlier in the year he had talked to some executive who said Otto would get the would get the, uh, the the max. And look, over the course of the year, Otto's stats are still very good. He's still third in the NBA in three point shooting. I saw I was looking up for a different discussion I was doing with something about I was looking up something for John Wall. I think it was real plus minus on ESPN. Like um, John is like ugh, crap. I don't know if that was the right stat, but John was like thirtieth, and Otto was like one spot ahead of him. So over the course of the year. You know, Otto's mm-hmm. still rating pretty high. But as w- since the All-Star break, the front court in general, but Otto specifically, has just not had that same spark. Now, I, 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 I suspect that uh, teams are obviously paying a lot more attention to him out on the perimeter because he was killing them earlier in the year. And the one thing, you know, I've always I've said is he needs to add that dribble-drive element. He, does, he doesn't have that to open up his game. And look, Bradley Beal didn't have that until right. this year. He's now really blown up with that part of his game. So Otto needs to do that. But, like, to your point, Otto is not near the athlete that Oubre is. Otto, Otto's instincts are master class. Oubre right, is at right. times rudimentary. And that's where they get separated. But the athleticism, and that's what we're seeing with Oubre, he's really getting his arms out in the passing lanes. It's becoming a thing. But what stood out to me today, and I think this was even after my tweet, was – oh, what? Wait, did I even say – yeah, I don't even know what I said. I said – I think my tweet was – Basically, we don't hear too much about the Otto Max anymore, and that's in part because of his play and also because, I think, because of where Ubre is coming from. Right. But that Ubre and Bogdanovich were in the game late. So Brooks had two wings in there with, you know, with you know Wall and Beal or Jennings. Otto wasn't in there. I'm not saying this means Otto has been benched and he won't play in the fourth quarter ever again, but it's pretty interesting that in a game in which it was tight, the coach went with two other people and not the guy who's been their go-to three-man all year. And not only was the game tight, I mean, playoff implications are still hanging in the balance. Like, we all – what even if you're not even a diehard basketball fan, but if you're listening to our podcast on the NBA, I'm sure you are, reasonable people can understand that you'd much rather play Atlanta right now than Milwaukee. So getting away from that 4-5 matchup is important. and like you said, it was a, a tight matchup. So I don't know, maybe Otto's banged up again. Maybe Scott wanted to rest it, but the fact that he didn't bring him in, even down the stretch speaks more to he's, he's a little bit more comfortable with uh Ubre at least right now. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. I mean, Otto makes the wizards not go from a good team to a great team. Like when, when Otto is playing well, it's almost impossible to stop the Wizards, unless you're Golden State. We're talking about upper echelon Cleveland teams. However, Otto sometimes with this, I don't want to say passive because I think he's so smart. He understands what he's good at and what he's not. So he won't hurt the team. But sometimes that can be, that can come off as being passive. And especially in the playoffs, they're going to lock on. They're going to lock down on John Wall and Bradley Bill. So Otto is going to need, like you said, some type of move besides moving without the basketball. He's just going to have to. And maybe Brooks is trying to get that into him. Maybe he's trying to send him a message. I don't know. But we saw Ubre. Ubre's gonna Ubre's aggressiveness is not ever going to be questioned. So maybe Otto needs to have this message sent to him. Um but I don't know. I mean because Otto is just so important to this team. He's 
the first half of the season, he was just so impressive. And again, he he's he's kind of like the separate. Like when the Wizards are playing at their best, it's because Otto is so dominant and he's so efficient. He doesn't take a lot of possessions, but again, that can sometimes look to be passive, and that's not what you want heading into the playoffs. I mean, I think at a, just at a base level, one, one one thing that's been sort of overrated about Otto to some degree is his defense. I mean, he's he's a good defender, but he's I definitely good. this year he's not been not not even close to being any kind of a lockdown defender. He's obviously a thin man. This is not breaking news, right? So Against a guy like Carmelo who can back him down and, and other big and other threes, you know, he can't guard LeBron right straight up based on how they are uh, size wise. So he's got a problem there. But on the other side, you know, guys who are, you know, af- very athletic can get past him also, which, again, not that he can't get in front of everybody, but just uh, uh, that part of his game has gone down as well. And at least with Oubre, again, with the, whatever faults he has, he does compete. He does give you that athletic presence. And Bogdanovich is a lesser all-around player than Otto, but he's at least been making – I just feel like he's he, – he's, he's got a role. Yeah. 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 And, and, again, it goes back to what we were saying initially – when Otto was drafted, he's drafted third overall, and there was Trevor Ariza here. And with Trevor, you knew that you had a lockdown defender, 3 and D guy, like almost the prototype of that new 3 and D style player. So then Trevor leaves, and again, Otto, I'm not, this is not an Otto bashing moment because, again, I think we both really like Otto. But Otto was never going to be the defender that Ariza was. I mean, he's just not – he doesn't have the physical gifts and I think a lot of that was when people would see Otto and they would expect a younger, more dynamic Trevor Ariza player. And he's just not that. Whereas Ubre, Ubre has the physical tools. And you see, you know, one of the reasons I'm assuming Brooks wanted to go with Ubre is because those battles with Melo, even though Melo got some shots off down the stretch, Ubre was competing. It, it was difficult. And there are not a lot of guys. I'm not the biggest Carmelo Anthony fan. But there are not a lot of guys who can bang consistently with Melo. And to do that in your second year, and Melo has to weigh at least like 15, 20 pounds more than Oubre. I mean, that that speaks volumes. And in the East, it's going to be LeBron. It's going to be Giannis. It's going to be, you know, somebody in Paul George. Like, these guys are coming. Well, then the Celtics, like the Celtics don't have like a stud, but they've got guys who will beat you up. I mean, right. Crowder, Crowder, obviously, and you know the last time they played the Wizards, Boston just went to attack the Wizards physically, and you know again, I'm like you said, you know everybody who's listening to this podcast knows I'm on the auto train and have been leading it, but I'm just saying there's you got to look at the facts. He right. didn't play in the last few minutes here. The minutes, uh, I I, met, I said this on Twitter. I'll I'll leave the the, the person anonymous, but <laughs> I made a wager last year with somebody who was one of your former colleagues last year. We, he bet 20 bucks that Otto and Ubre would be splitting minutes. I and have I a like, feeling I know who you're talking I was like, about. I'll take, I'll take your money. Fine. <laughs> of course, they, and, they, and they paid it off. Well, you know what? A year and change later, that is happening right now. Again, we'll see about the playoffs. You know, you, you never know. If, if, if Ubre does have some of his erratic moments, you can't afford to sort of let that play out in the, in the postseason. So maybe Brooks has a shorter leash and, and, and you know, whatever. I, and Otto is a – safer, more conventional play. He's still got Bogdanovich. You, you know, you, you've got basically 10 guys right now in the rotation. Typically, you only play eight or nine in the playoffs. So somebody will have to sit. So we'll see. It would be hard to imagine Otto is not playing real minutes. 
when we get to the postseason. But, you know, again, the, the last five minutes are always uh, super intriguing uh, with, 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 uh, with that. And by the way, I mean, the thing about the auto max contract situation, the Wizards are somewhat in a box. Again, if they let him go, you can't just take the, the, this, this hypothetical $100 million right. and give it to somebody else with the bird rights and where they are with the cap. You know. Yeah, it has to, like, the money that you have for auto to pay auto is for auto. Like, if you don't pay auto, maybe you'll have an extent. I don't know exactly where they are relative to the cap. Uh, Woes. They're pretty. They're going to be pretty high up with with the uh, with the luxury tax. I mean, if they let if they were somehow let Otto go, you couldn't you could then hype, I guess keep Bogdanovich. But right. I mean, yeah. the money isn't just a pot of money that they have readily available for anyone to spend this offseason. The, the the money that they'd be able to pay Otto is that much is only devoted for Otto because they have his bird rights. So yeah, it's not like they have a, a kind of a blank check this offseason. Right, and by the way, one thing on Otto, and again, uh, just just to sort of know where he's gone. Otto is currently, at least going into today, third in the NBA in three point shooting percentage. He'd been leading most of the year, but okay, whatever. He's third. Right. That's that's pretty good. You take that. On the Wizards since the All Star break, he's only fourth on the team. Bradley Beal, or sorry, Jason Smith, fifty one percent, at least going into today. Bradley Beal, forty one percent. Bogdanovich, forty percent. Otto down to, at thirty five percent. He's thirty five. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty big drop. I mean, and last year, one reason I was optimistic about Otto coming into this year was the sec- over the second half of last year, he was a top 10 three-point shooter. Um, one thing I will I will say, just to sort of give him the benefit of the doubt a little bit, is when we talk about all the Wizards have played a ton of minutes, as you mentioned earlier, uh, the, uh, the Wizards may be, I think, the only team in the league with three of the top 20 or 30 guys in the league, have to have three of the top eight, 20 or 30 minutes played in there. You know, it maybe Otto is one that we're maybe we're seeing some of that wear and tear again. He has looked a di- uh, off since the All Star break, but um, who knows? Maybe maybe the hiring of Patrick Ewing will uh, <laughs> at Georgetown, his alma mater, will will spark something uh, fr- from him. Now you mentioned the standings earlier. We do have some changes in the East. The Wizards with the win, they're tied with Toronto, but they're still losing out on the tiebreaker. Um, the fact that Toronto has the last game of the year against a Cleveland team that may have nothing to play for has me thinking that Toronto is probably still going to get there. But whatever. The, the Wizards have a – right now the Wizards have three games against teams that are not currently in the playoffs, two with Miami, one against Detroit. But if they do get in the four spot, what's interesting now is they're not actually going to play Milwaukee. They would be playing the Atlanta Hawks, who beat the Celtics tonight, 123-116, to move and and uh, Milwaukee got r- run out of the gym by Indiana, so the the Hawks are now in fifth. Uh, hold on, that's my, why is my screen not up to here? Yeah, the Hawks are in fifth, a half game ahead of Milwaukee, so there's still time. Right. The Hawks have four games to go. The Bucks have three. The East is crazy though. Right behind those two, the Bulls are only a, a game behind, uh, or a game and a half behind Atlanta. Same with Indiana. The Heat are two back. So it is. The Wizards could play a lot of different teams. Right. At this point, I totally agree with you about wanting Atlanta um, versus anybody else. But um, I don't know. What, what, what's your sense of just like of, of that bottom of the East? Is, is there anybody else that you? Uh, is it just Milwaukee, the only team you don't want to face at this point? Well, I mean, the, the whole Atlanta Hawks thing. And again, this is at some point, And I'm not a Dwight Howard fan, but. 
I I've thought that he's been unfairly treated, I guess, because personally he's so unlikable that I think sometimes that clouds people's judgment of his talent. But at some point, like the order keeps following him around. Like this <laughs> yeah. team is falling apart. And yes, Paul Millsap is not playing. And that is a huge reason why, obviously. But there's something wrong with Atlanta. Like they're too talented to be playing this poorly. They were playing very well before the All-Star break. And then right after that, it just fell apart. And you have to start questioning the chemistry issues with that team. However, because they're so talented, yes, you, you want to play Atlanta because they don't seem to have anything going right for them as we speak. But especially when you consider how how problematic Washington's defense has, has played recently, I don't want I wouldn't want to play a team with talented players because if my defense isn't correct, if I'm not fighting, if I'm not, if everybody who plays me is shooting super high percentages, I don't want to play the team with all the talented players. You know what I mean? Like Atlanta, even though they're struggling, we can agree of the bottom from five through eight, player for player, talent for talent, they're by far the most talented team. Milwaukee, on the other hand, they're playing so well, or they were playing so well, they scare you, and obviously they have the best player of any of the lower-seeded teams that you kind of just want to stay away from them because not only do they have the star, they've gotten length, and defensively they're going to be a problem regardless. And, again, Washington's defensive issues worries me because once you have that star player and Chris Middleton also starting to – you can tell he's getting back to shape. You just don't want to play Milwaukee. I think we all would agree. Just leave them alone. Miami, I'm interested in Saturday night's game because Miami's given Washington struggles all season long, and I don't even understand that. And, again, you saw what happened with the Wizards today in New York, and New York had no bigs really this this tonight. Milwaukee's got arguably – I mean, Gobert's the best big, but you can make a case for Whiteside being in that top three discussion of big men. There's no answer for him, and we've seen that against Miami – what three times or three, well, however many times they've already played this season? Um, Miami, I know two, two and zero oh against the Wizards, and both of those wins were when Miami was the terrible Miami, not right. the Miami that got hot. And I mean, obviously, we know about Indiana, Paul George, Crazy Lance, but the guard playing for the Pacers, I, I, it's it may sound crazy because we we know about Indiana's not too recent, but. You know, a few years ago, they were a conference championship team going game seven against Miami. So they've kind of got a, a, some some type of pedigree, but I would rather play Indiana, all things being considered, than any other team, just because I don't feel Indiana matches up well with Washington. They have Paul George, and Paul George, despite how talented he obviously is, um, since his knee injury, it's almost hit or miss. Like, he'll play great some games and then almost – Equally, he'll shoot them out of a game. Um, so I think for the Wizards and their biggest issues, which is defense, it's easier to defend Indiana than it is any other team. And I would honestly, if I'm a Wizards fan, I would rather see Indiana than any other team. All right. Uh, I want to uh, – I want. I definitely want to get into the Phil Chenier thing, but one thing before we get into that, uh, you were kind enough to say earlier that I had <laughs> – I may have gotten a couple things right once in a while – uh, knowing that the various people that we both know are going to be 
saying, oh, I want to hear what Armand has to say. They're definitely going to be mad at me. If no, I, don't I understand. Ask, if I don't at least ask this one question, mm-hmm. what, do, what do you think about Bradley Beal now? Because the setup, for all of you who don't know, <sighs> not, let's just say I'll be kind to say it's not been the biggest Bradley Beal backer in the world. We would all get in loud arguments in the, in the <laughs> PSN bullpen to the point I actually always wondered how like they didn't tell us to shut the hell up. Uh, basically, you're. Well, they told me that regularly, actually, uh, often. <laughs> I mean, I'll let you speak, but your basic point was reasonable player, good, blah, 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 but doesn't have a complete game. The, the, the dribble, the, the shooting percentages, the various analytics didn't seem to mesh with what everybody else was telling you. And then they were going to give him the max money. For you, it was a big no. I'm, uh, no. Right. But you, so you, you state your case now and, and, and uh, then and now. So I'm I'm man enough to admit I was wrong about Bradley Bill. And you know, so when it comes to sports takes, you know, there's really no no room for nuance. And I understand it. I will be so let me before I state my case, I just want to make it perfectly clear I was wrong about Bradley Bill for this season and what seems like moving forward. But I don't think I was wrong about Bradley Bill for his first four seasons. And that is what kind of clouded or not only say clouded that's what i was using again i'm i'm a i'm a super stat driven guy i'm an nba nerd whatever i still got these hands so you know you wouldn't call me a nerd if you saw me but whatever (laughs) i'm a big i'm a a big nba analytical guy so think of it like this we all like to gamble if you play blackjack and the dealer is showing a five you know you know you got a decent hand even if you don't you stay, right? That's more times than not, that's the rule. You stay, you know, you, you you let the dealer hit, right? The odds are in your favor. You do that even if the dealer somehow has 15 and he hits and he gets a six. You then don't change your strategy on the next hand. And I say that to say Bradley Bill for four straight seasons, his numbers, if you look at them, they were consistent. They were they were in a box and they let's be frank, they weren't good, you know. He's a talented player. And this is what I always told people. He's talented. But so many times that's mistaken for being productive. And he wasn't a very productive player. He was hovering around 42% shooting, 42, 43. But he was also hovering around 40% from three-point range. So initially that tells you his shot selection is just all the way off whack. He's also a great shooter. But before this season, he was a 78% free throw shooter. So when you look at all that coupled with his turnovers I and mean, he was averaging around three turnovers a game to about three and a half assists, it's just not, that wasn't a productive NBA player. And I think we all can agree. Like we all would say that Brad took a, an enormous leap this season. That being said, we wouldn't say that Bradley Beal is like a top 15, top 20 player. He's great. Don't get me wrong. He's very good. But the fact that he took such an enormous leap this season and still isn't an all-NBA caliber player says that these four years, he wasn't he wasn't that good. You know, I think we all can say that. But this season, whatever happened, and I think Scott Brooks deserves credit, but ultimately Brad is the guy on the floor. Like, Brad got paid and then still got better. That rarely happens. Like, once you incentivize the play, like, what Brad got the – the money, but he still changed his game. And that's a testament to him. 
He cleaned up like he just took away essentially all his mid-range shots. And now you're seeing him shoot nine times, ten times from beyond the beyond beyond the arc. And that's what he needed to do. He just stopped shooting bad shots and he started shooting the most valuable shot, a shot that he's always been great at. And that essentially, I mean, he did add some hesitation moves, some real strong dribble drives. But even still, you'll see him start trying to dance a little bit with the basketball, and that leads to issues. He's cut that down. He, he knows what he's good at. He knows the threat of his three-point shot scares the, the hell out of the opposing teams, and he utilizes that. And that's just intelligent basketball. So, yes, this season, Bradley Bill did something that – I didn't think he was capable of doing because he hadn't done it for four straight years. So yes, I was wrong, but I was wrong this year, even though I was right the past four years, if that makes any sense. Boom. Make, make you feel better. Get away. Get away <laughs> your chest. No, I, I, I welcome it. Like I, I like <laughs> the fact I, I will never be a skip. Bayless. like skip Bayless will go down to his grave being the guy who thought LeBron James wasn't clutch. He wasn't great, and that Tim Tebow was a legit quarterback. Sometimes you just got to look in the mirror and be like, I had that one wrong. I got Bradley Bill wrong. The, uh, you know, a lot of times when I look at the sports arguments that I get into uh, over the years, Brett Favre, second half of his career, Peyton Manning versus Tom Brady in terms of the playoffs, even LeBron at times, typically it isn't the argument, it isn't always with, it's not like I hate that person, the, the, the athlete. It's the arguments being made that they are something that they are not necessarily. Right. Uh, people are overstating what they do. And, and so to that point, I get I hear what you're saying on Beal, and I get where you're coming from because of everybody's touting him as being something. And you're like, wait, I, I'm looking at the numbers here. It's not actually happening. The only point was I largely was making to you was the two playoff series that they had, which is not the regular season. you got to play the 82, blah, blah, blah. Right. But two playoff series where he was and he was healthy in those, he stepped up and looked like the all-star level player that I think he's turned into now. Especially that one year when the year when Wall got hurt and he had to step into real like point guard duties. I mean, he's still only twenty three, and that was you know two and three years ago. It just to me was I can see it. This is actually going to happen if he stays healthy. That is the key. I mean, ultimately, the key for me why the Wizards are successful this year is knock on wood, Wall and Beal have played together and at a high level for the more or less the first time or one of the first times in their entire careers. So this is the thing that I, I always ask people because, yes, I was on an island on this anti-Beal stance that I had. I was curious because, one, a lot of people, not just you, but a lot of people were like, hey, man, you know, he's only 20, 22, 23, whatever, whatever. And I'm saying if you go back, I don't know, 10 years, however many years you want to do, the age of the third overall pick after their fourth season or after their set first season, they're, they're always going to be young. So the idea that Bill wasn't producing, he's not producing relative to players his own age. So that was like, why is it taking him so long to get what other guys are getting in their second and third year? Because they're still young too. So that was one thing that I – I, I took issue with. And secondly, he played very well in that Atlanta Hawks series two years ago. But in that Toronto series, despite his PPG being high, 
he played really bad. He was like a 39, 38% shooter that series. And despite his poor play, despite the turnovers, despite the, the poor field goal percentage, that was the best playoff series the Wizards had. And God knows how long. They swept Toronto. So it was like, hold on. He's getting these raw stats, but how many possessions is it taking him to get 25 points? Like, again, that goes back to talent, to productivity. He's talented enough to wow you at times, but is he productive enough to actually help you win basketball games? In my opinion, he wasn't those first four years, but obviously he is this season because I mean, he's been amazing. Like, I, There's no – I'm not going to try to parse words. He's been amazing this year, and a lot of that is because I just didn't see it coming. If you play some – if you play a style for four years, I'm going to then expect for that going to, that's going to be who you are. He played a certain way without any type of variable. Like it was so cl- like his numbers for his first four seasons. If you're listening, look at him. There isn't any type of movement. They're like consistent. And then this year, out of nowhere, it's explosive. Not just the raw stats, but his efficiency. Every everything, every shot across the board, he's better at. And I just didn't see that coming. Yeah, well, you know, again, I mean, you had a, I think there's probably a coaching factor in here as well. The, the, the obviously, I mean, he, he has now played 75 games. He had never played more than 73, and only once had topped that, that and only once topped 63. I, I think that as much as anything, right? Because he, he, well, so many times where even when he was playing, he was on a minutes restriction. You could tell he wasn't 100. percent Other than early in the year, he's largely been there. But uh, hey, look. You know what? Uh, he definitely improved on his game. Most of all, I'm glad to see you uh, have have accepted that and are <laughs> ready to move on in a, in a bold new world that where Bradley Beal. I'm actually a- defending Bradley Beal on Twitter. I didn't know what the hell was going on a few days ago, man. 2017 is a trip. What a world. Hey, what's up, everyone? Uh, so Armand and I, we already talked here what 40 minutes or so. We went uh, we went longer talking about uh, Phil Chenier, uh and then the announcement that CSN was going to um, take him off the broadcast f- full time starting next year. Rather than throw out one hour long or so podcast, I'm going to separate it into two parts. So there'll be two p- two podcasts up. The r- the rest of it will basically just be about uh, the Phil Chenier situation. So check that out. You can follow. Uh, Armand on Twitter at Armand underscore Lee. Check out his podcast, The Quarterly Report. Um, you know how to find us, iTunes or on Twitter at Locked On Wizards. So we'll end it there. Thank you guys so much. Wizards back at back in action Saturday, final home game uh, of the year against Miami. I'll be back for recap of that. Also, I've got another podcast coming up on Friday with uh, Nick Ashu from 106.7. We are handing out some awards. Um, until next time, see ya. Everybody Deal. Gets open for three. Dagger! It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17